This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Footers gang, your girl Jenna here and Gerard and the conference finals are winding down Gerard, but these teams just don't want to give up. <laughs> so I'm feeling some game sevens up in here, up well, in this biatch. I mean, <laughs> okay, wow. We, <laughs> you, you did predict seven games for both, for both series. So that's what you would like to see. I mean, and we'll get into it. Like, I, I mean, I mean, if it gets to game seven and you're the Suns, even though you're at home, yo, y'all was up 3-1. Like, what are you doing? And in terms of Hawks Clippers, and we'll get to them, I mean, this is all going to be about the status of Trey Young. If he ain't, if he's not healthy, it's a wrap. I mean, even if he is healthy, it still might be a wrap. But if he's not healthy, it is definitely a wrap. So we got some big games, but let's jump in, jump into it. Yes. Oh, God, Trey, I'm already getting emotional. Don't do this to me, Gerard. We're just at the top of the show here, damn it. All right, yeah, let's get into this here. Let's start in the West. The Clippers and the Suns. Now, Phoenix leads the series 3-2, to two, but the Clippers just won't give up. The Kawhi-less Clippers just won't give up. And they're led by Paul George, who had a career-high scoring playoff game in Game 5 when L.A. took it. And he had 41 points, 30 for which were on 10 for 12 of shooting. He was on fire, especially in the first half. He led the team. He made plays. He really carried himself differently in this game and proved essentially that he can carry a team on his own. And this team specifically without Kawhi Leonard, who hasn't even played a game in the conference finals because he's suffering that uh, knee sprain that there were rumors that the Clippers were worried it had something to do with his ACL. We know nothing. They haven't informed us on anything. He's sitting up in a suite, um, you know, not with the team, which I wonder why. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, personal. Who knows? However, let's talk about these uh, Clippers. Do we need to officially retire the uh, pandemic P uh, slander on playoff P who's been showing up <laughs> as playoff P. You know, it's so yeah, you're talking about the game, game five. And so the second half, right. Where he was really like just out of control, 30 points. You mentioned 10 to 12 shooting. Look, he was excellent. And Paul George is an excellent player. And I think anyone who watches basketball understands and knows that. Now the issue of course is the slander and like everybody's trying to get their jokes off. And we talk about this all the time, right? Twitter and social media is a place where jokes are greater than facts, right? Like that's mm-hmm. people actually, especially the people who are trying to like get retweeted and be funny and whatever. And the reality of it is, is that y'all are all telling the same jokes. Like you're not funny. Like it's the same recycle stuff, right? Everybody had their Paul George slander tweets in drafts on Twitter, waiting to fire yeah. them off. Like the minute, like, you know, he flamed out, but Paul is showing out. Look, you don't make all NBA 
as many times as he has and do things he ha- without having a lot of basketball skill. He is very good. Now, has he had some poor moments? Sure. Most notably last season, right, in the bubble, um, shooting balls at the side of the backboard. Yes, but if you reduce any one person to their, to their worst moment, no matter what they are, basketball players, a regular person on the street, like, you ain't going to look great, right? Like, everyone in their worst moment, if that is what you reduce them to, the world's going to be full of awful people, right? Because that's just the reality of it. Yeah. But if you look at the totality of his, of his game, he's excellent. And he's showing, and these Clippers are showing. I mean, they are not willing to give up, man. They, as you said, they're fighting. Down 3-1, they don't care. And they're hearing the noise. Oh, without Kawhi, we don't got a chance. Okay, cool. Like, they're, they're here to play. And what's happening now is the pressure is shifting, Jenna. Like, listen, if the Suns don't win game six, whoo boy, even though they're going to be at home, the pressure is going to be mounting for game seven because you were the one with the 3-1 lead. You were the one that is relatively healthy and aren't missing your big star as is as is uh, the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard. So look, this team's playing well. And Ty Lue, by the way, we got to give him mad shout outs and props. Just pushing the right buttons, making the right lineup tweaks. I mean, and he is, every game he's coaching like it's a game seven, right? It's like, oh, this isn't working? Yes. Cool. We're doing this instead. Like, he, he's like, we got no margin for error. And oftentimes that's kind of the thing, right? Like they always say necessity is the mother of, of invention, right? Well, when you got no choice because Kawhi's out, you, hey, we got to do whatever we can to survive. You're going to be willing to do things. Hey, this isn't working. Scrap it. Let's go to this. And that's what you're seeing out of, out of the Clippers and Ty Lue. But yes, I mean, Paul George Slander definitely needs to needs to be retired. Like, I get it. Like, the idea that he brought some of this on himself by calling himself playoff B. And up until that point, not doing great things. Although, people seem to forget all of the stuff he did in Indiana in the playoffs, right? Like, everyone seems to remember, oh, his playoffs began when he got to Oklahoma City. Look, he had great playoff runs in Indiana. Um, so, you know, he, he, he is a proven playoff performer. And he's showing up again uh, for the Clippers right now. He really is. I mean, again, career high game and uh, arguably his best playoff game. And yeah, people live only in the present. And like you said, they hone in on these just one mistakes, like the two missed free throws he had Mm -hmm, in the last mm -hmm, game. mm -hmm. I mean, people just hone in on those types of things. But again, he's showing up. He's carrying himself differently, like I said, and he's proving he could carry a team and lead a team. And again, uh, praise to Ty Lue, who is the master of coming back, as we know. So, again, this Clippers team is relentless. They won't give up. So... Uh, let's talk about Reggie Jackson, who mm. dropped 23 mm-hmm. in Game 5. Was that just a playoff moment, a flash of fleeting success, or w- is he the real deal? Well, you know, Reggie Jackson's such an interesting player, right? Let's remember, the Suns got him on the veteran minimum. I'm sorry, excuse me, the Clippers got him on the veteran minimum, right? Um, after um, Detroit waved him. And so, I mean, this is fantastic. He He's doing his thing. And Reggie... Jackson has always been, even when he, or as early as when he got drafted by Oklahoma City, this is a player who uh, wrote on his sneakers, SPG. And the, those, those, those initials are for starting point guard. This is when he was on Oklahoma City and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were there. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't matter that Russell, Russell Westbrook's here. I'm the starting point. I'm a starting point guard on this team, right? Like that's the kind of belief this guy has in himself. And, you know, he had a, call it a mixed tenure in, in Detroit, put up some numbers, but that team... Didn't do a whole lot, but he's found a home here in L.A., and there is a calmness about him late in these games when he's scoring 
and attacking the rim and doing what he's got to do. Look, he, he, he is a big fine for the Clippers and they, you know, some team is going to pay him some decent money. Like he's not going to get any kind of like crazy contract, but you know, this is a guy who's going to probably get a three-year deal for 10, 12 million bucks next year, right? Like, because he's proven that he is a more than capable uh, off-the-bench scorer in that sort of Lou Williams, uh, Jamal Crawford kind of role, right? Like, don't fool yourself. He's not a starting point guard. So hopefully no team gets crazy out there and, like, gives him some crazy contract. He ain't that. But if you are a title-contending team, he comes off your bench as your backup point and can start and spot duties, yeah, that's a win. I like I like what I see. Anyway, I like what I just saw anyway um, in game five there. But let's switch gears here and talk about the Suns offense because they were a little slow to start this game and didn't put on their best performance. Yes, I mean, you had Booker who dropped 31. Paul added another 16. DeAndre Ayton uh, contributed there too with 10 points, 11 rebounds, but wasn't their best best offensive effort and this was a must win for them now they have to go and exhaust themselves and play another game because of this they need to turn things around and after the game uh Monty Williams said it was unacceptable the way they started the game it was pretty obvious they didn't have that mentality so what happened with the Suns well it's a couple of things right yes Monty's correct the way they came out to start game five was not great right and they had to keep battling back and battling back but every time the Suns got within one or took the lead by one or very you know very shortly the Clippers would bounce right back and blitz them and go on a 10-12-0 run the larger problem Jenna I'm seeing with the Suns is is the style of basketball they are playing to get them to this point they're not playing that style anymore the ball zipping around doing all it, it's it's not happening happening now you're getting into a lot of isolation situations in the spread pick and roll and you know look we know this is a spread pick and roll league we got a lot of great one-on-one players who can do that but that's not how the suns got to this point and what's happening is in especially when the clippers go small and they're going into their switch heavy defense the suns ball handlers booker uh chris paul when they get a switch are seeing it as ooh, somebody switched that's an advantage matchup, and it may not necessarily be that, right? If you keep, keep to playing the offense they were playing before, which is moving the ball, split, you know, pushing it around, like making that skip pass, that's how you stretch the defense and you get them scrambling. Right now, the Suns aren't having the, the Clippers defense stretched or scrambling. The, the Clippers defense is very tight and locked in. You know, think about this, Jenna. Like, if you're guarding somebody and you're on defense— if you're the defender, would it be more advantageous for you to guard in a crowded area or grab when, or, or guard the, an opposing player when there's lots of space around you? Obviously, it's more advantageous to, crowd and, to guard in a crowded area, right? Because the offensive player has less room to maneuver, right? Mm-hmm. And you have help and people close to you. That's how the Clippers are right now. Every, it's close. The, 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 the Suns are not getting effective spacing in their offense, right? And that's because of the cutting and the movement isn't happening. You want to force the defense to be scrambling. That's that is how you beat defenses. When guys got to rotate because the ball zipping and oh, we we can't catch up. We don't know what we're doing. They're not doing that now. It's switching on the pick and roll and guys going one on one. Now, yeah, Devin Booker's elite, Chris Paul's elite, whatever. We talk about that all the time. But again, if I'm on defense and all I have to worry about is stopping the man in front of me, even though the person in front of me is an elite offensive player. 
that's an easier assignment for me. I don't have to worry about anything else, just the person in front of me. But if I got to worry about the person in front of me and the screen coming, and that's more things for me to think about. That means I might think, I might pause for a second. Shit, what am I supposed, and right, that that hesitation, that's what, but they're not doing that. And so the, the, the sons have to get back to that. And you wonder, you know, it's been floating around on Twitter. We've seen it. Chris Paul back in the lineup. The Suns' offensive rating has gone down, right? And the pace has gone down, right? They're not getting that zipping the ball they had with pan, uh, with campaign. Can Chris Paul get the offense to move the pace back up and change things around? We shall see. We shall see again. Uh, next game, crucial for both teams. I mean, the Clippers can force a game seven. The Suns can advance. So, again, the pressure is on game six. Do you? What do you think? What, what is an early prediction that you have? The Suns got to win game six to me. Look, it's game seven and they're at home. Of course, they could win game seven of home, right? But game sevens are a toss-up, right? Anything can happen in a game seven. Uh, Brooklyn lost game seven on their home floor. Now, you don't granted, want a game seven. Right? You now, just don't. Now, granted, you know, Harden only had one leg and, you know, but still, like, they had game seven at home and they lost, right? We saw uh, Philly lose game seven at home, right? Like, you can lose game seven at home. That's not unheard of. Um, so if I'm the Suns, yo, man, we got to win game six. It's it's like I said this many years ago when the uh, Red Sox came back on the Yankees uh, in, in that epic playoff series. I was like, okay, it's game six. That's the game. I was like, the Yankees best win game six because if it goes to seven, they got no shot. And that game, game seven was over in the first first couple innings, right? Like, I see it, not saying a similar thing will happen here, but I see the Clippers are going to have too much confidence because, again, they, you get to game seven, they're going to be like, Psh, we were down 3 1. We're, not, we're without Kawhi. We ain't supposed to be here. They're good. The Suns are going to be at home. They're going to be the ones with all the pressure on them to close this out. So game six, my friends, if you are a Phoenix, game six is the one you've got to win. Couldn't agree more, especially because think about it. These both teams really have never made it to the conference finals or the NBA finals besides Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Kawhi. Did 90, well, Phoenix, Phoenix is a franchise, but I mean well, players. Well, no, I mean yeah. like these two current teams yeah, yeah. never been there. Not even right. Chris Paul. And right. that's weird right. to even say. Right, um, right. So, again, that mentality aspect in a Game 7 atmosphere, and you don't want the, that smoke from those Suns fans. However, <laughs> who knows? Who the heck knows? But, again, this is a must-win, must-see game no matter what, guys. So tune into that. Let's jump to the East and talk about the Hawks and Buck series because Milwaukee leads 2-1 and one right now, and the Hawks could be in potential extreme boiling hot water if Trey Young really can't return or return to full speed because what was thought to be a right ankle sprain after he stepped on the ref's foot is now a right bone bruise. So completely different injuries and completely different pain on high levels in both injuries either way. So this is not good. Trey Young said after the game, um, after game three, that he was frustrated and he was in pain. He was admittedly sore. And it, this is just not a good situation all around. He's questionable for game four now. How bad is this for the Hawks? Look, man, they're in trouble, right? Like this series already was going to be challenging for them, fully healthy, and and they weren't they weren't even fully healthy because DeAndre Hunter's out, right? And I think now you're seeing it. Bogdanovich is playing on one leg. Um, Gallo can hardly move, right? Um, he's he's playing his heart out. 
DeAndre Hunter, as I mentioned, out. Um, Trey Young now has, I mean, it's a tall order. And Milwaukee, Milwaukee's healthy, man. All their guys, all their guys are healthy. And Milwaukee has been through this before. You know, we've talked about in the NBA, teams have to like go through adversity and like, you know, run up against like bad things happening to them to fortify themselves. The Milwaukee Bucks are fortified as a team, right? Like they've been through terrible playoff losses series, right? Being up 2-0 on the Toronto Raptors the year they won the title and then losing four straight, right? Like oh, all those things, right? Like they getting getting beat by Miami in the first round last waxed by Miami last year. Like they they right, they've experienced that and they've bounced back, you know, being able to beat Brooklyn. Yes, hobbled, but still beating beating Brooklyn, right? Like those things like fortify this team. And, you know, they're, they're, the, that collective experience was already going to make them tough to beat. And if the Hawks, if Trey Young is less than 100%, which obviously he's going to be, not good, Jenna. Not good. Not good at all. He even said after uh, Game 3 that the injury at the time, which we all had been told by the Hawks medical staff that it was a sprained right ankle, was already affecting his explosiveness. He used well, you um, saw it. that you, word. You couldn't run. Yeah, couldn't run. Couldn't push off for passes. Nope. Um, and even though he knocked down a three after the injury, he still couldn't push fully off of both feet. And um, he had. It, it just looked like he tweaked his ankle. I when I heard bone bruise, I was extremely surprised. But again, these are all injuries that in the postseason like this the recovery time they want you to miraculously recover in 24 hours when these injuries really take weeks long to re- exactly uh, exactly recover so yeah uh the hawks definitely probably in some trouble there or definitely fearing that they're in some trouble For i'm sure. interested to see if they'll try to play him i mean uh, as of right now i have not heard that he's out he's questionable um i have not gotten any a recent update that game is tonight the night we are recording this we shall see but look it's the way that the ankle bent too, right? Like it wasn't quite the same way, but like similar to how Kyrie landed on Giannis, right? Like anytime you have that kind of situation where, you know, the and, and Trey's had some ankle issues in the past, right? Like mm-hmm. you you the, a bone bruise is, is very likely, right? In in those scenarios. Look, it's just it's a bad break and bad time for this to happen. Um for for Atlanta. But again, you know, they got game four at home. We'll see if they're gonna they're gonna th- come out with all the energy that they can muster, but it may not matter. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I mean, who can take Trey Young's place realistically? No one on uh, Atlanta, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. All right, <laughs> let's uh, jump to Portland, who's not in the postseason, but they are making major headlines because uh, they've introduced Chauncey Billups as their head coach, reportedly on a five-year deal, according to ESPN, but that has not been confirmed yet. But what is overshadowing their introductory press conference today, which is usually a happy moment, sort of like Ime Udoka's was in Boston, um, is what's being overshadowed is uh, Chauncey's 1997 rape allegation case, a case that a lawsuit filed by a woman accuser that he settled uh, many years ago. But he is being asked about that because it's there's questions being raised amongst fans, amongst Mm -hmm. reporters, amongst Mm -hmm. the public. Uh, So today during the press conference, uh, Jason Quick from The Athletic asked Chauncey to elaborate on a quote that he made about uh, the allegation. He said that it had shaped his life and in many ways that he makes decisions. So quick asked, Mm -hmm. 
you know, can you elaborate on how it has changed your life? Right. Um, or how it has shaped your life using his exact words. Um, I thought the question was asked respectfully. Sure. I thought it was warranted because he had said that. No doubt. So that's when Chauncey does not answer because the Blazers PR infiltrates the conversation and interjects and says, you know, we've basically answered that. We've addressed that. We would like to move on. That has caused the Blazers so much backlash that I don't even know where they're going to go from here, seeing as they're dealing with many other problems of their own involving their franchise face, Damian Lillard. So what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, look, situation? first of all, the way that the Blazers PR staff handled that was poor, right? Like there's just no right. way around that because if you saw, if you watch the clip, Chauncey was ready going to, he was, he was ready to answer the question. And then right. Neil Olshay, right? The GM, as he's drinking a swig of water, looks over at the PR person to interject, Right. And the PR person interjects and cuts the question off. That's just a bad look, right? Because what that's saying is, is that clearly there are things you don't want to discuss around this issue, right? But, and it's, this is on Neil and this is on the Blazers as an organization. Look, I've talked talked to people there. This Neil, Neil wanted Chauncey from the beginning. This is the deal. And this is Neil asserting his power saying, well, I'm the GM. I'm the guy in charge here. I want Chauncey. We're getting Chauncey. Okay, mm-hmm. that's all well and good. But when the press asks questions that are reasonable and under the circumstances, not, not only does your, your fan base have questions, people in the media, right? The, the media's responsibility is to ask questions to provide information for the public, right? And the head coach of a team who was uh, accused of sexual assault, uh, no matter when it was, who settled that case, right? That is public information that the media has a right to ask questions about and get answers on to what it is, right? Chauncey said, you know, you learn from that. Okay, what did you learn, right? Like, right. Th- th- that's, that's all within the realm of realistic questions to answer. Um, and I think the public is owed uh, an answer to those questions. The other piece about this is that this is a problem within all industries, uh, not just sports, but since we're on sports in the NBA, we're going to focus here. And it is the way in which we treat uh, not only the victims of sexual assault, but the people who are accused um, of these things who mm-hmm. eventually get to move on with their lives, right? Like, and, yeah. and, and, I, and by the way, I believe that, right? You are allowed to, after whatever penance is paid and lessons are learned, you're allowed to move on with your life. However, there yeah. is a way in which that those lessons and that penance there is a public uh there's a public component to that right where the mm-hmm. public is entitled to know and ask well what did you learn what were the things right the, the, those are all within bounds and portland not answering those questions and neil O'Shea and portland pr not answering those questions that's a bad bad look um overall look you know the nba like every other industry is a long way to go as it relates to this right i see a lot of people online talking about you know how can you do this and not hire Becky Hammond and blah, blah, blah. It's like, look, this is multi-layered and it's not just a Becky Hammond issue, right? Like I'm someone who believes that of course women should have the opportunity to be head coaches in the, in the NBA. They're women bosses in every other industry. What makes the NBA any different? Nothing. Right now the issue I have is that Becky Hammond is not the only qualified woman who can be a coach, right? There are many others. So let's stop making her the avatar for all things, right? There are a million, Dawn Staley, right? Uh, the, Teresa, Teresa uh, Witherspoon. Like there, 
there are so many other candidates who are qualified. Nancy Lieberman, by the way, who has been an actual head coach in the G League before, right? Like there are um, so many other women who are also qualified as well. So we need to, if you, if your goal is we really care about women being, being hired, your, your focus shouldn't just be Becky Hammond. It should be who are all the qualified women? Where are they? Let's get them into the applicant pool. So look, the NBA has a long, long way to go before it makes itself, uh, you know, gender equitable and and just, you know, just a, a fair league in those regards, right? I always say the NBA gets a lot of credit often because it's not the NFL, right? Because the NFL is horrible. But hey, when things like this happen, you guys don't look good, right? And particularly Portland and Neil O'Shea, this is not a good look. No, couldn't agree more. I mean, hey we could be having a very different conversation if they had just handled it a little bit differently. Just a little bit. Just let Chauncey answer the question. Exactly. Especially in today's day and age. The last thing I'll say about that is that ESPN reported uh, by sources that um, that the team that Portland had looked into and done an investigation of their own. Right. um, Before even offering him the position and found nothing apparently reportedly in their... um, discovery. Right. So, and they went ahead with him as a coach and to your note about Becky Hammond, I agree. I I'm all for women. I think she deserves a head coaching job. However, that doesn't mean she it's specifically Portland. Right, I mean, right. we, we also talk about, we need more black coaches. Well, mm-hmm. Chauncey's a new black mm-hmm. coach. Mm-hmm. Like this mm-hmm. is a great thing, but we're not talking about that because we have to put a problem to everything. And it's like it people really- and the public speak like that yeah the other thing you mentioned there jenna too and this is also a, a, a fail on, on neil Olshay's, neil olshay's part when he was asked oh yeah we hired an independent investigation team and we were comfortable with their findings oh really neil well why don't you enlighten us as to what that investigation was like what did they do what did they find right oh well, that's proprietary i can't tell you that you see you know when you decide to make this kind of hire the 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 ways in which you went about doing your background search that whole process needs to be public. And it needs to be very, well, what did they report to you? Because this leaves you now open to, well, clearly they just reported what you wanted to hear, right? Like what kind of real investigation did you did they actually do? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You already wanted this guy. So you've got another company to come in and just say, say I, this guy has to get hired. You do whatever it takes to put something together that says we can hire this guy, right? Like that, mm-hmm. but that, that, that's, not, that's not good enough, right? I think the people right. demand and, and, and are, are entitled to more. In this case. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And hey, I mean, again, he was Chauncey was speaking on it. He was he was going to speak. Um, So I just find the whole thing very interesting just because as PR professionals that are paid a lot of money Mm -hmm. specifically in the NBA to do their jobs. You don't think for a second, okay, we're going to hire this man. Mm-hmm. They're going to dig this subject apart right. yeah. to its core. Right. So let's be ready. Yeah, no doubt. I'm with That's you. it. No Who knows? <laughs> All right. Sticking in Portland still, uh, let's talk really quick about Damian Lillard. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of reports that he has grown concerned and is uh, frustrated with Portland, uh, not only with their coaching search and how they've been hiring coaches. I'm assuming he has uh, limited say, and that's why he's a little pissed. But that's just an opinion of my own. He also has grown concerned about, can they really build a title contending team in Portland Mm. after so many years? He's dedicated his heart and soul to Portland and has said he really wants to stay there. But now we have these reports coming out. And it's very interesting seeing as they were bounced out of the playoffs early on again this year. What are your thoughts? What have you heard? Because 
Do we have Dame on the move? Is so, it time? <laughs> is it Dame time? <laughs> I see what you did there. So, look, the, the same um, person who I talked to uh, close to Portland uh, told me the same thing, right? Again, this is a Neil Olshay power play. Neil wanted Chauncey Billups. Dame was okay with Chauncey Billups, right? So this could be a situation of Neil and Dame kind of like facing off versus each other, right? Who has more power and sway within the organization? Now, we know Dame is the more rare talent, right? He is the player. He's the thing that actually people come to watch to see, right? This is the, you can find GMs easy, right? Like GMs are much easier to find than Dame Lillard's are to find, right? Like that's just how that works. Especially how many teams apparently are interested already in Dame. Correct. That, you know, but this is Neil asserting his power and control being like, no, I'm the guy that runs things around here. Okay, Neil, cool. Um, Let's see how long that works. Now, if you're Dame, look, this is why I always say when you're an athlete, like this idea of I want to stay loyal to this team and this city. And look, that's all well and good. And you can tell the fans that. And like my philosophy is always, man, don't tell the fans shit or just be strictly 100 percent honest about it. Right. Come right out from the beginning and be like, look, I love playing in this city. As long as the team, right, and that it's management, as long as the team continues to do everything that I believe is necessary for us to be a winner, right, I'm willing to rock here. The minute I don't think that's a possibility, all options are open. Oh, I mean, right, like, just be straight up, but I get it, like, I get it, Dame was doing the whole, like, Oh, Paul George running from the grind, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm loyal. I ain't joining up on no super team. And look, I get it. Like, that works. That fits in, like, Twitter and, like, all the people on Twitter who hate super teams, even though all your favorite players play on super teams. But that's another conversation for another day, right? Like, like, I hate super teams, blah, blah, blah. Yo, you ain't winning without help. I can't stress that enough. I don't know how many times I have to say that to get through people's heads. Look at any teams that win championships. It isn't one guy. Com- contrary to what all Twitter would have you believe, right? You win with great teams, right? The Spurs, the Heat, the Warriors, all, all the great dynasties of the past, the Bulls, Lakers, Celtics. Those teams are littered with Hall of Famers up and down. That's how you win. You don't win with one good guy and four scrubs. No, that ain't it, my friends. That's not how this game is played. And so... Yeah, Dame. It was when LeBron was dragging the garbage calves to the finals. <clears throat> Which, oh, you mean in, in the ones where they got swept by the Spurs? You mean those garbage calves? All right. Yeah, listen, right, 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 right. Let's but, not but, get into that. But that's my point, right? As you, you were. You, you play in a weak East, right? And you go up against a team with superior talent. What happens? Oh, you get swept, right? So what does he do? Oh, I'm going to Miami with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well, all right. Like, funny how that works. years of my life. <laughs> funny how that works, right? Because he realizes, yeah, I can't win by myself. I need lots of help. We that's how it works. You need help to win in this league. Um, but yeah, and so now Dame is gonna be singing a different tune, right? Now he's gonna be going somewhere where where he is gonna potentially have other superstar players. Or like I saw today, this potential Knicks trade, right? Where you send RJ, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly and like basically control your draft for the next four years. Okay, you could do that if you're the Knicks, but so what do you have left? You have Dame Lillard, Julius Randle, and what? That's basically a lesser talented Blazers team? Or if I'm being kind, same level of talent? So what are you going to be in the East? Losing the first round? Maybe if you get lucky, second round. Okay. Like, you still ain't winning with that, right? So, I mean, 
look, Dame, I get it. You want to do your whole like, oh, I'm, uh, I don't believe in that. Well, okay, cool. You do that. But know that odds of you winning, like the ultimate winning the prize, ain't going to happen, right? That's, you need help, especially in this league, in this time now. Any shot of Dame landing on the Lakers? Look, the Lakers are already a million dollars, it's like right, like, like uh, so far into the luxury tax. Like, no, I mean, who they they'd have to give up like literally, I mean, just about everything, right, to get Dame to fit in there. And I don't even know if that'll work, right? First of all, if I'm Portland, what do I want that you have? You're not giving me LeBron or Anthony Davis. So after that, what else you got? Kuzma. <laughs> nope. No, thank you. Taylor Horton Tucker. No, thank you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Here, Montrezl Harrell? No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, control your drafts for the next, like, a million years? Maybe, but I need some other current players who are good. But you have nothing else on your squad that I would want. Marcus All? Nope. Yeah, exactly. What about, like, somehow Bradley Beal goes to L.A. and then Dame goes to Washington? <sighs> a Dame and Russ backcourt? <laughs> like, ugh. <laughs> ugh. No. 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 Look, it, it, all I know is that the the rumors are rumbling and people are talking and they want Dame time. Listen, I get it. We'll see what happens. Neil Neil clearly is is either Neil believes that he can no worry. Dame staying here. I'm getting this thing rolling that and and if for some reason Dame does is like no and they reach an impasse, he's not going to give him up for, without, you know, getting everything he wants back in return. So, we shall see. <sighs> God, I hope Dame's in the studio making diss tracks about this right now. <laughs> I'm really ready. Like ready for a Dame really diss track. I am. It's always Dame time up here, honey. <laughs> Dame time. You just know that. Well, that Sports you, Center you, commercial <laughs> kills me every time you, you, when you, she's you, like. You know when it's not Dame time? NBA Finals. Clearly, <laughs> not, not Dame time. <laughs> You're extra funny too. I'm just listen, listen. I, and this is not like shots at Dame. Like I think Dame's an excellent player, no, but like no. there's there's just a lot more to just like right. Like it, you. This is what you wanted, right? You wanted to stay in Portland, and I'm not knocking you for staying in Portland. But now, well, look, you've tied yourself and married yourself to this organization. Well, here you are now. Good luck, right? Like. <laughs> oh my god it kills me well we'll keep an eye on dame time and see what happens there the clock's ticking slowly sh- but surely oh speaking of the, of the blazers down. really quick zach collins just had another foot injury and has foot surgery it's like that poor kid snake bit like i just I, and he's a free agent this summer so good I mean, timing he, yeah right he ain't making no money like i mean he's not like you're gonna get an oft injured big man like that who already got foot problems you know big men feet when they start acting up like it's all downhill. Like, it's just not good. Like, it's it's, it's just, yeah. This is... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Taking yeah. so many L's in Portland. They got a lot yeah. to figure out. A lot to figure out. Seriously. Maybe I uh, get some more PR help up in there. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Jesus. All right. Let's move on to uh, some more teams that we haven't talked about in a hot minute because they're at the top of the draft lottery. <laughs> so, <laughs> the order is officially out. We got the one through five, Detroit, Houston, Cleveland, Toronto, and Orlando. And a couple funny ones down there and a couple viral reactions, especially to New Orleans there with uh, <laughs> Swing, Swing Cash. <laughs> and her... Uh, yeah, not... not, not facial gesture. Not, not thrilled about the Pelican spot in the, in the upcoming draft. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're not doing too great in uh, New Orleans, so uh, her face was warranted. <laughs> but let's talk about this order a little bit here. What are your thoughts, and could Detroit climb out of the ashes? Look, man, it looks like it. I mean, Cade Cunningham's the name that everybody's talking about, right, as, as your number one pick. Mm-hmm. If Detroit Because he can play the one through five. You get If you get Cade with Sadiq Bay, right, and the young talent they have in, in Detroit, look, man, you might have something there, right? Like, now, nah, look. I don't know if they're going to all of a sudden like be going to the playoffs or anything, but you know, it could be similar to what Atlanta did, right? Like look at the Atlanta rebuild, getting Trey Young, getting John Collins, Kevin Herter, right? Uh, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and then supplementing them with, with veteran guys like Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, right? Like, I mean, it is, uh, and Dillo Gallinari, that's a blueprint that Detroit could potentially follow, right? Which means it's going to take you a little bit, right? So, Whoever you get this year in the draft, like you ain't going to be good right away. You're probably going to be crappy again. But, you know, do are you able to keep building, right? And get those young building block pieces. And then you put the right mix around them and you see what's happening, right? This is, we're seeing that changing, right? Like changing of the guard in the league in many ways, right? Like mm-hmm. we see what Atlanta's doing. Like it, it, it just, there might be some, an opportunity. So I think Detroit, Detroit's in the catbird seat here. I think, you know, outside of the top five, Oklahoma City, man, mm, getting that six pick, not lucky at all for them, right? Like, that just didn't work itself out for them. Nope. You know, but Preston and all his hordes of draft picks, we'll see what that turns into, if anything. Yes, we will. Uh, yeah, uh, Cleveland up there with the third pick, mm-hmm. they need something down well, there. I mean, uh, they have a lot of issues, right? Do they re-sign Jared Allen? Is Colin Sexton on the move? Because apparently they don't think Colin Sexton, Sexton and Darius Garland is a compatible backcourt. Uh, what are you doing with the Kevin Love contract? There's just, yeah. A lot of teams have a lot of issues they got to work on this summer. Major issues. We shall see. That uh, draft is going to come up sooner than mm-hmm. we think. So let's talk about more headlines here. Our boy, <laughs> uh, Bulls legend, Scotty Pippen. No tipping Pippen. <laughs> no tipping Pippen. He's got to promote the bourbon, so he's dropping truth bombs. <laughs> or are they... <laughs> or, or, or are they the truth? Because first he comes out and, you know, throws some jabs at KD, reignites his feud with Charles Barkley, and throws a couple shots at MJ, per usual. He's been doing that for a little bit now. And his most recent jabs have turned extremely serious. He's accused Phil Jackson, his former Bulls coach, of being a racist mm-hmm. for drawing mm-hmm. up a play for Tony... Um, Goo coach. Goo coach. In a 1994 uh, playoff game mm-hmm. against the Knicks, mm-hmm. which everybody knows, he sat himself out in the last mm-hmm. couple seconds there mm-hmm. and did not go in because he didn't get the toy in the sandbox. <laughs> so and couldn't have the last shot of the game. He felt as though the team was his. He felt as though the move by Phil Jackson insulted him. And he said it was a racial move. He said that on the Dan Patrick show, Dan mm-hmm. Patrick was vi- visibly, evidently confused and asked him one more time. I think he was trying to give him a chance, like, hey, get your <laughs> your comments straight. And he was like, yeah, I got no problem with calling him a racist. <laughs> so, again, bourbon bottle front and center. Here's my Anastasia lipstick. That's exactly where it was, if you can see it right there, if you're watching this. <laughs> so, what are your your um, thoughts on this because Kendrick Perkins, his comments stuck with me that Scotty basically needs his real own real housewives show <laughs> and he needs, he needs some, some guidance. Okay. So this is as with everything, Jenna, multi-layered and nuanced, right? So let's try to pick this apart um, as much as we can. First of all, you have to understand 
Yes, Scotty is promoting his new bourbon that he's going to be selling, and he has a new, and his new book. He has a new book coming out as well, right? So, you know, as the, the old adage goes, right? Uh, no press is bad press, right? Like, okay. So there's that piece of it. However, no doubt these are feelings and truths that Scotty feels he needs to get out there, right? One, I don't know Phil Jackson, never met him. I don't know if he's a racist or not, right? I do know he did call LeBron James's agent and business partners uh, and associates, Maverick Carter, Rich Paul, and, and Randy Mims, he called them his posse, right? So, you know, that at, at best, that's a problematic statement, right? Okay, so Phil has to answer for that one, right? Okay. Scotty, as we all know, first of all, athletes in general, these guys are all uber hyper competitive people, like ultra competitors. Scotty Hippen is one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, the greatest number two player of all time. In the year that Michael Jordan retired and went to go play baseball, so that's that 94 season, mm-hmm. Scotty Hippen led the Bulls to a 55-win season, right? He was in talks to be MVP of the league that season. Uh-huh. He was that good, okay? Now, in, the, in that playoff series that you mentioned, Phil Jackson draws up a play for Tony Kukoc, who was a better shooter but a rookie at the time, right? And in yes. in NBA uh, coaching parlance and what you... That is not what, you, what happens, right? The final play is always drawn up for the star player, right? That's just how mm-hmm. it goes. Okay. Now, Scotty said when he made his comments about KD, oh, you don't play team ball. You were just shooting. You didn't use your teammates, da, 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 whatever. I'm like, well, Scotty, hello, pot, meat, kettle. Like, you kind of contradict yourself, right? But then you were not willing to inbound the ball to your teammate to have a good shot to win the game, which, by the way, Kuko hit the shot anyway, and they won yep. the game, right? And that's part of it is why it makes Scotty look bad, right? It's like, bro, like, you're out here talking all this shit, but the play actually worked, and Kuko actually hit the shot, right? Like, so in that moment, you look petulant, right? And you look like a non-team player in that moment. Now, Scotty does have some validity to what he was saying. Around that time, Jenna, there was starting to be an influx of the European players being brought into the league, right? And if you were too young to remember this, but 92 in the Dream Team, Jerry Cross, and we know from the, you know from the last dance, you do. Um, I remember because I was <laughs> paying attention then. The, the relationship between the Bulls players and Jerry Cross, the Bulls GM, was always contentious, right? During that mm-hmm. entire time. And Jerry Krause would go into the media and talk so much about Tony Kukos. Tony Kukos, this great European player they have overseas in Croatia who's going to be the heir apparent, right? He's going to be the one to bridge the gap once Michael Jordan and this crew retires, right? Well, if you remember that 92 Dream Team, when the USA played Croatia in, the, in, in, in one of the games, Michael Jordan and Scotty Hibben made it their mission to destroy Tony Kukoc in that game. And they sure enough did, right? They were playing, like, playoff level. Like, they 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 were, like, wild. Like, I mean, the uh, the ferocious defense they played. And mind you, these may have been the two best perimeter defenders in the league at the time, right? Kukoc had nothing for them. I mean, they broke him, right? And th- that, that was their mission. They broke him in that game. And... Part of that was personal for Scotty, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. here I is. All you're talking about is this Kukoc, Kukoc, Kukoc guy. What about me and what I'm doing here for this team, right? That's helping us win championships, 
Um, and when Michael Jordan retires, you're you're not giving me the opportunity to be the heir apparent, right? You're saying, no, this rookie, he hasn't done anything yet. I've been here. I already won the three, help you guys win three championships. I'm leading this team to 55 wins, right? Like, so you understand it from that point as well, right? So mm-hmm. it's very layered. And, and Scotty is someone who, you know, and he said it, is only so long. And Scotty's been, been holding on to this for a long time. And he will until, you know, the day he's no longer on this earth. It's very difficult to constantly be thought of publicly, right, as Robin, right, as the sidekick to Michael Jordan, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone knows during that time, Michael Jordan was the show. Everything else was about Michael, was done to prop up the show that is Michael Jordan. If you're Scotty Hoop and you're like, wait a minute, I'm all NBA, I'm all defense, I'm all these things too. Like, no, 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 no. Like, I too do some amazing things. So you do mm-hmm. understand his frustration in that part. But it's yes. also him <laughs> not being content with his place in and his legacy and who he is as a player, right? Like, and I think yeah. he's always felt like I deserved way more credit than I than I than I've gotten. And in many ways, like he is right, right? Like I said it yeah. before, those six championships don't happen with just Michael Jordan and anybody else. Mm-hmm. No. You don't insert, oh, I'm just putting any other like, you know, you know, capable level small forward, and it's the same thing. No. Scotty Pippen was the guy, right? Often the guy who played defense against the other team's best player, right? Like oftentimes when Michael Jordan was on the bench leading that second unit, right? Like, so he, you know, he, 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 a hall of famer, obviously six time champion. We know all the, all the accolades. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of sort of, this is Scotty's truth. And he has a lot of things he wants to get off his chest and whoo boy, that book is going to have a lot of interesting stuff in it. I'm sure. Oh, it's going to be good. Unguarded out this November. This is not a plug, but you girls going to be getting that book, (laughs) let me tell you. I mean, again, like you said, you put it well. Um, It sounds like he is he's very frustrated with how his legacy has panned out and has been written and is engraved in the minds of young kids now Mm -hmm, reading mm -hmm, about it mm -hmm. and having the Internet at their disposal. And even people who've watched it, who've, you know, have idolized Michael Jordan and haven't really seen or taken in the, what Scotty had to offer. So again, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of frustration there. Um, And yeah, there are a lot of things he didn't get credit for too. He's tired of being part of Michael Jordan propaganda, right? Like that, that's ultimately what it is, right? Like he, like he is, he's like, look, I'm done with this, man. Like everything is Mm -hmm. not about propping this dude up, right? Like Mm -hmm. there were other people here who did important things that helped this team win. Interesting enough, really quick, he did mention in that uh, Dan Patrick interview um, after the Phil Jackson part that um, uh, Dan Patrick said something like, well, you know, Jackson wrote up a play for Steve Kerr and Michael Mm -hmm. didn't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he was like, that's because Michael um, had it in with the camera people. It was his show. He was calling the shots, all this stuff. He ran what the NBA cameras for the league were doing. He was already making the documentaries back then. He already knew what he was doing. Oh, my God, if I could have been a fly (laughs) on the wall. I mean, somebody tell me more. You know, I always tease you about LeBron propaganda, but, you know, Michael did the same thing, right? And he had a, a, a complicit media who would be part of his propaganda, Right. Like, and Scotty's like, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not playing no more. Like, 
I'm good. Like, I'm going to tell y'all the real, at least the real from his perspective, right? So it's all interesting. Very interesting. Uh, this Justin Trey Young uh, game time decision for game as, four. As, as so. we figured. So, look again, you know, Milwaukee just might be too much for them. And, you know, by this time next week, Jenna, we're looking at the NBA finals likely. And it looks like Milwaukee, you know. Hey, and what I will say is right now, you heard it here first. Even if the Hawks do not make it past the conference finals, their season is an extreme oh, success. They're well ahead of schedule. This is a huge success. And does this mean that um, Nate McMillan and Bud will have their jobs after this really quick? I mean, Nate's for sure going to be. I mean, and Bud, look, beating the Nets, even though they did some curious things, Bud saved his job with that seven-game series win. If they get to the NBA Finals, which it looks like they're probably going to, Bud's for sure got his job saved. Win or not, right? They made the NBA Finals. What a time in the association, my <laughs> friends. We will see you back here for the NBA Finals, baby. Indeed. Tell them where they can find us. You guys know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We are on Twitter at 7 Pod, on Instagram at 7 Podcast, at JS Hector, at Jenna Lemoncelli. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we may come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap, what's a man gonna do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Right around 10, came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do When we pull up on the scene, pull up on the scene